top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. You it's more already know. I think that's how it always goes. Like 45 minutes, and we were at like Chelsea. What are we doing? Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. Welcome back to Top Bins, the show bringing you all the action from the Premier League in Syria, England, and Italy. I am your host, Matt, joined by my co-host, Dom. Dom, how are you? Good, man. Good. Timing was a little off there, but it's, it's all Timing right. was a little off. That's okay. We're in preseason. You know, that's what you do. And uh, you, you get your conditioning uh, up to, to peak levels. You know, we're not operating at, at full systems here. We're just uh, starting to warm up as the season is. Uh, I mean, we're actually only a few weeks away, to be honest. Uh, so I, I hope your sharpness gets a little better because we we need more once we get I'll, into August. I'll be getting there. I'll be getting there. The fixture list will be congested, and uh, you know we'll have to. We'll, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm sure of it. We are in the the dog days of summer, as it was, and uh, you know also. Um, the dog days of content because they're just uh, again not a ton going on with the transfers if i'm just being totally honest and you know we're still sort of in this gray area where it's a little too early to be previewing a season uh but you know it's 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 okay we're, we're, we're here for you because maybe you're just checking back in maybe you've decided that you're gonna just pay attention to other things or you got you've had a, a busy summer you haven't you haven't really checked back in you know maybe you're just starting to get back in and listen and, and read and get pumped for the season so we're gonna call this the in case you missed it uh part of the show where we highlight some of the the big news things and maybe uh you know elaborate on what that could mean for this season uh remind you of some uh, maybe key transfers and things like that uh, in the Premier League to to just keep you keep in the back of your mind because maybe again maybe you've you've been on a little bit of a layoff here. The biggest I think one of the biggest uh, stories of this off season so far is Mauricio Pochettino taking over at Chelsea. This is big for really two reasons. One, it's the third Chelsea manager in the last twelve months. That's always kind of a big story when uh, you've had that much turnover and you're you're choosing another man to go up to the firing line. I mean the the touchline. Um, and I think also, you know, the fact that he's most well-known, I would say, for most people, uh, for managing at Tottenham, which is a big rival of Chelsea. Uh, really a one-way rivalry in a lot of aspects because Chelsea have dominated Spurs uh, pretty much this entire century. But, uh, you know, there, there's that obvious uh, sort of uh, factor to this. The other thing is, you know, I don't know what this is going to look like. You know, Pochettino is... Uh, he had a, a little bit of a break after PSG and um, 
he, he hasn't really been a, a consistent manager over the last few years. He's done some punditry work and things like that. But since leaving Spurs, I would say that he hasn't really found uh, a great run. And the PSG team that he, he was with was also a hard situation to handle as every PSG team is a hard situation to handle because of the personalities and egos involved. So I don't want to ding him too many points for that. But this is a guy that I think has... It's hard to say that he's like grown or developed or changed over the last few years. It's, it's going to be hard to imagine, especially with how it sort of ended at Spurs, that this is a slam dunk kind of assignment. I think he's a good manager. I think he's one of the better ones you could get on the market. But I don't know that this is a guy that I'm like, wow, easy pick, you know, easy pick. And it, think, it's going to go great. I think people are kind of like, I guess, just have a nostalgic view of him and, and, and look at his time like previously in the Prem with like rose colored glasses. Like he... he he managed a lackluster Spurs side. That's, that's what it, that's what it is. I mean, he went to PSG and had some of the best players in France, and still lost to a Lille team uh, for the champ or for the title. So, like, it's it. it yeah, I agree. It's not the uh, most spectacular signing, but it's kind of one of those that you uh, expect from a team fully in their banter era. Like you know, you've got a you've got instability within the managerial appointments. You know, as quickly as one comes in, they leave, and and he seems like he's one of those guys with experience that the club wants to bring in and and, and try to manage this team. And you know, with Tottenham still rumored to lose some key pieces in in the transfer market, it's it's not looking good, bro. I do think Pochettino, one of his skills is that he's able to build a team, especially with young players, and he's able to develop young players, and that is certainly an aspect that I think interests Chelsea, and there there are definitely young talents within that team that he could, uh, you know, help kind of guide along and, and grow. Um, you know, they, they don't have Europe this year, and it's, it's hard to imagine what kind of a successful season even looks like for them necessarily. I don't want to say the cliche top four in a cup, but I do think that would actually be unironically a very good season for Chelsea um the squad is interesting too because this is a team that was dealing with a lot of bloating uh you know all this past season I think it's part of the reason that you know Tuchel and to I think a bigger extent Potter were so unsuccessful here at, at Chelsea was because they didn't have like top level options you know they they didn't have it felt like a lot of the players at Chelsea over this past season were very samey. No one is really separating themselves in an elite way. There was no guys that you know you're automatically penciling in every week outside of like Thiago Silva. You know, I, I think that was the only name that for me was. And then Enzo Fernandez, I think uh, after he was brought in, was again you know a, a standout performer. But largely speaking, especially in the attacking areas of this team, a lot of wingers, a lot of guys that are just like not as impactful as you want them to be. It's hard to pick. And that's why I think Potter was constantly trying to find a system that worked constantly repicking players and, and kind of shuffling through. So, um, but they've, they've done a pretty good job of moving on from a lot of those players and trimming down the squad now to the point where their midfield is a little thin. And, uh, you know, they, they've been chasing Caicedo all summer and it seems like they've had to back off that because of the price. But, um, I am curious to see what the squad looks like. They don't, they're not going to have the crazy fixture congestion because of the lack of Europe. Um, so that, you know, it could be a benefit to them, uh, you know, in, in some ways. 
Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's it's a really interesting season for Chelsea. I think they're one of the more interesting uh, teams to, to look out for because there's just a lot in the air and there's a lot riding on this season going uh, successfully. No, I mean, what the only person you'd say was a star in the Chelsea team was uh, Mason Mount. He's not even there anymore. So like, he had a pretty underwhelming year too. And and that's exactly. that's the thing, right? And he has this big, you know, marquee transfer to to Manchester United. So, um, I, I'm curious. I saw some news about Chelsea. You know, since we're on the subject, Pochettino did th- say that like Connor Gallagher is in his plans, that that he won't be sold or loaned out somewhere. You know, this whole saga between Gallagher and and, and Chelsea continues, and and I think it just plays into your point. You know, you said like. The last two managers didn't have the most elite options to to put into the lineup, and it and it seems like Pochettino's just trying to make work with what he has. And I, do you see this like benefiting either party? Keeping Gallagher, yeah, yeah. I, I think because they the pathway has opened up for him, right? Like, and we talked about him last summer, and that I always felt that he was much more Mason Mount than he was anything else, and that. Um, I think that was part of the reason I was not too thrilled with him staying at Chelsea because I just didn't see a huge pathway for minutes, and he did not get a lot of minutes last year. It wasn't until like the final third of the season uh, when they had like Lampard in that he was getting kind of regular starts. Um, I think there's a good player within Gallagher. I don't think he's a bad player by any means, but he still doesn't do. He's like Mason Mount light in that he does, and Mason Mount already is to me was not an elite player. He's a good. I think uh, complimentary piece, but I don't think he's like the crown jewel in the midfield. And I think Gallagher is like a tier below that. So I think he's got some developing to do. You know, again, Pochettino, that seems to be one of his skills over the course of his career has been able to do that, especially with midfielders. People are going to make like Christian Eriksen comparisons. They're, they're different players to me. Totally. Um, you know, I think Connor Gallagher does do his best work in the final third, but he does, uh, he does have good energy for a midfielder. I think he's, he's capable. It's, it's about his discipline and it's like tactical flexibility, you know, to see what that midfield looks like. That midfield is a big question mark for me to coming into this year. That was how exactly that's going to function, but you know, he's, he's got time to figure it out. So we'll stay in London. Ange Postacoglu. Not the easiest name to say. I, I, I will I will just uh, put that out front. Uh, new Spurs boss. Yes, Spurs have a new manager. Antonio Conte, of course, uh, shown the door. Um, similar kind of season to Chelsea in that they had uh, managerial issues and then squad issues and kind of underwhelmed at times in terms uh, of performance. I do think it's it's an interesting season for Spurs because you, you kind of have to wonder how dependent on Kane staying is this team's success. Um, I think a lot. his answer is a lot, <laughs> but you know, if you know that he's leaving next summer, do you try and cash in now and take some of that pressure off of your new manager and, you know, try and rebuild the squad? I don't even know that necessarily need to go out and buy a striker. I think you could invest in defenders and that might actually be the better, uh, situation for Spurs. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's a fascinating season. Um, and just interesting, you know, he comes from Celtic, uh, where he was pretty good and he had some of the most dominant Australian teams. Uh, he's actually Australian despite his name. I think <laughs> I, when I first heard of him, I thought he was, uh, like Romanian or something like that. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, he's of Greek descent, but he's Australian. He named, he managed the Australian men's team. Um, you know, he had some, the soccer ruse. 
some mild success with that. He did get them qualified for the 2018 World Cup and then stepped away from managing the team. So, yeah, he's he's an interesting character. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how he develops. But, you know, it's it's another thing, I think, to keep in mind that you've had, uh, you know, two of the top six, in quotes, um, you know, kind of make managerial change in this offseason. And that's uh, that's a, that's no small thing, right? Like, it's no. there's definitely some instability within the two of those. And I think... Chelsea have questions. Spurs have, have, I think, even more serious questions uh, about this season. And again, if it's if it's Kane's last, or if he already had his last year, um, you know, I, I, I'm really curious. Yeah. Uh, who knows? I, for one, you know, being a fan of a club that has let many players walk for free and not like cash in on their value, and and seeing what it's, it's done, and and you know the struggles that. Uh, are laid in front of the team after a few years because of that decision. I really do think that Spurs need to cash in on selling Harry Kane. That that money could be used, like you said, for a couple different places. Spurs have other options of players who play a more, you know, p- play more of a position out wide, but can play in the center. I think like Son can play striker. Richarlison, I think, plays better as a center forward than you well, know. Well, Richarlison like as a had more yellow cards for celebrating uh, a goal last year than he did goals in the Premier League. So I, you know, I, jury's <laughs> out on my end. I'll say that. Much. Um, so you know, it's. And I'm never confident about Spurs. I'm always going to make fun of them. They're like the Roma of. That is an yeah, Premier League. That is an insult. Roma have won a league title this century. That's that is very rude. I can't believe you would say that. I have to get a little dig at you, man. You got the you got the Roma kit on. Uh, All right, and when I walk in next week with my Sorrento kit, you also gonna give me shit? What is this? No, 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 no. Give me a break here. No, that I would, I would really respect that kit. That's a, that's a, that's. I'm, you know, I like, I look, I like myself a hipster kit, right? I like. It's got a seahorse on it. All right, you know, you just. Oh, dude, it's great. That's great. Love that. That's that's all for next week uh, for you. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be an interesting season at Spurs. The, the Kane stuff. I will say the fact that Bayern have not moved on to a different target. They've agreed personal terms with him. It's all about finding a deal with Spurs. Makes me think that you know, they believe that there is a possibility of getting this thing done. I, I think if they really felt like this was impossible, they would have moved on uh, by now. Um, and like we talked about last week, it does feel in some ways, too, that the, the striker market is sort of plugged up by the Harry Kane-Bayern uh, you know, duo. Um, if they do move on from that, you expect maybe uh, Vlahovic to potentially move on, even someone like Kolo Mouani, uh potentially, uh, you know, leaving Frankfurt. Who knows? Like, they're, they're, it just feels like there's there's a shakeup to be made, and it's it's dependent on Harry Kane's future or not. Um, and it's going to be a lingering question whether or not if it gets resolved this summer, or it, and, and it'll linger all season too. You know, if he ends up staying at Spurs um, and and his decision for next summer. We've had some uh, some big exits from the Premier League. Some, I think, very notable faces. Some players have gotten very used to over the years. Not all of them superstars necessarily, but Wilfred Zaha, one of these names, to Galatasaray, um, moves on to to Champions League football. They they still have to qualify for the group stage, but uh, you expect that uh, you know they like their chances there. It's interesting, Wilfred Zaha. You know. Over a decade ago now, makes his move to Manchester United, which ultimately doesn't work out, heads back to Crystal Palace, becomes sort of the face of that club for the last eight or nine years. At many points, was also linked to Arsenal. Uh, that that loan, obviously, you know, never materializes. But 
um, you know, just kind of one of the the streets never forget type players. Uh, you know, just a, a very very exciting player to watch on his day. I think uh, you know some uh, some clubs will be happy to see the backside of him, knowing that they won't have to <laughs> to deal with him anymore because he was that kind of player. But um, yeah, he's uh, he's now out of the league. You you won't be seeing him on your Saturday and Sunday mornings anymore. And that, that might be a change for some people. N'Golo Kante moved to Al-Itihad, uh, one of these Saudi Arabian clubs. Again, another uh, another familiar face, although not so much over the last few years because of his uh, his injuries. But um, again, a big, big name. I actually just recently rewatched the like a cinematic highlight of the 2015-16 Leicester title winning season. Um, I was reminded of N'Golo Kante's involvement there and then went straight to Chelsea and did it all again uh in even more dominant fashion winning the league so um you know one of the the standout i would say midfielders of the 2010s in the premier league uh now is is no longer part of the league and grand chaka the much beloved much hated uh just one of the the i don't know complicated figures um (laughs) of the entire uh 2010s at arsenal um, at one point, booed off by his own fans. Very polarizing um, player. Very polarizing player. Really peaks and valleys with him. Um, had a great final season season with Arsenal, nearly uh, nearly winning a title. Uh, one of his better seasons, I think, in an Arsenal shirt. Um, so uh, yeah, like you said, a, a polarizing. I think a complicated sort of legacy with that club. But he's on to Germany at Bayer Leverkusen. He'll be playing with Xabi Alonso or under Xabi Alonso, I should say. Um, and so yeah, those are, those are three big names that have moved on. There, there's some others, but those are the three that I think most people have been familiar with over the last few years, and uh, that you just won't be seeing on your screen anymore. I I really got to respect what Galatasaray is cooking up. I mean, you know, you, you add Zaha to a team that has Mauro Icardi, Dries Mertens, and Zaniolo, who Zaniolo's enjoying his time playing for them. He's getting back to goal scoring form. The fans love him. Uh, and they've got they've they've got a lot of streets won't forget players like that like Lucas Torreira, uh, Angelino, uh, and so it's like they, they they've got a decent squad to be very very competitive in in Turkish league and then you know they're one of those teams that kind of is like hey let's put together a team that can be like competitive steal some wins and try to make a run in Europe like that's that's their mo they're they're one of the two teams in my opinion in in turkey that are always you can fact check me on this they're like always fighting for for top spot it's like basically them and fenerbahce and like besiktas every now and then i don't really watch the league so i have no idea i just no, those those are the big three to know for yeah sure. I, I like seeing them i like seeing them play though in like whatever european competition they're in the champions league this year correct yeah, they're still yeah. like uh, still technically in the qualifying stages, um, but I, they're playing like a, a Lithuanian team. You expect that they they get through yeah. there, um, and they're they're gonna work their way. Uh, they hope at least to the, the group stages. So, yeah. uh, another big thing to to keep in mind, big piece of news: Ivan Tony suspended for half the season um, due to gambling and bets that he placed. So Brentford, I think, are a team that. A lot of people were very excited about, and I think for the neutral fan are, are a fun team in some ways. Um, well, they're going to be missing, you know, one of the, the, the spear tip of their team, um, a guy who can score uh, in the high teens within the league. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they carry on uh, for an extended period of time without him. They played pretty well in the games that he missed last year. 
uh, and Brian Abuemo especially really stepped up, Yon Wisa, but uh, it's it's kind of a different thing when teams can really plan to uh, to, to play you without Tony and uh, the extended absence he will have. So those are some of the, the storylines, some of the new faces, some of the faces you won't be seeing anymore, um, which hopefully has, has kind of caught you back up in case you missed it. There you go. Uh, we've, we've rounded some of the, the big stories up for you. Dom, you sent me this in the Twitter DMs, and I liked it so much that it's making it to the show. It was a poll talking about, um, because unfortunately, David Silva has had uh, to retire, uh, I, I want to say prematurely, but he's 37. Uh, um, but he was, he was planning on, on having another season, of course, but had uh, an ACL injury in training, and as such as uh has taken the hard decision to retire uh which is tough you know because he's just uh, uh still a very impactful player uh still playing um you know a real sociedad and um just kind of a tough one but it's kind of reignited i think a debate about uh best premier league midfielders over the last like you know again i just think all through the 2010s um and there are quite a few obviously to pick from uh you know and I think there's kind of four that, that come to mind from that time period. Um, I, I think David Silva, mm -hmm. I think really maybe even five. You could say Yaya Torre, his teammate. Uh, Cesc Fabregas, especially on his return, you know, with Chelsea. Um, he had a, a really, really good season. He had a, a few good years with Chelsea and obviously still uh, in the very beginning, still with Arsenal. Um, Meso Ozil, of course, and Kevin De Bruyne. You know, the, those are, I think, all the kind of the the big the big guns to keep in mind in would you would you players. include hazard in that conversation or do you think of him more as an attacker or winger? I, I do not consider him like a center midfielder in, mm -hmm. in you know yeah I, I guess on fantasy premier league was technically called a midfielder but so is most a lot so i uh <laughs> i won't be be changing those waters dumb just off the top david silva there's Mesut ozil who you take because that was the poll you sent me it it's was tight it's it super tough, tough I think man. it was. I, I, I want to fact check myself before I say anything crazy and lie. Uh, the poll that you sent me had over 1,000 votes. 52% voted for David Silva. 48% voted for Mesut Ozil. I think people, you know, it boils down to, uh, for, the, for, the, for the, you know, easy way out in the uh, conversation and the debate, people will go to trophies, right? And both of them have a World Cup. So it's very tough, you know, to hold that above one of the other players, kind of like in the Messi-Ronaldo debate. So uh, it, I, David Silva has a Premier League trophy, right? So the, the, that's got, the tough He's thing. got four. Yeah. I, I, can, can we say that, you know, he's a product of City oil money? I mean, yeah. But I... Yes. I but this is the thing, though, is, like, he's such a good player. Like, like at City, he was a very good player. Um, and, and at Valencia, he was an extremely good player. He was an essential part to, to Spain's success in the World Cup. Like, I mean, that guy, that guy just did things that other people cannot do. Um, Ozil is just – he's got so much sauce, man. He's, he's, like, the way he carried himself on the field, the, his passing – his dribbling, his creativity. Uh, it's just, I, I'll always remember that one goal he had. I th I'm, I'm pretty sure it was in the Champions League. It could have been in the Premier League. Um, if you if you know what I'm talking about, maybe you exactly can. 
the one where he like takes the half volley or the full volley and he bounces it on the ground over the keeper. Oh, it's just to to, to so, be able to do, and he and he did that purposely. It's not like he mishit it. Against Ludigrets, I think. Yeah, 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 they won four 0 or something like that. It was. It's just it's crazy what he could do, and 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 not just for Arsenal. I mean, this guy was part of you know the the probably the most electric time in Spanish football, which was when. Uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid had the two best teams in the world. And, and like the FIFA pro best 11 for like five years in the early 2010s, which is all Barcelona Real Madrid players. And, and, and Ozil was one of the main guys. He took Kaká's spot really like Kaká was riding the bench because of Mesut Ozil. Think about that. That that's as a young <laughs> player too, by the way, like I think, yeah. So there, there are a few things here. One is he was at like, 20 21 years old playing for real madrid in a very meaningful way in again like you said one of the the most electric and i think two of the highest quality rivalries like all of it like two just very very good teams going at it constantly um and he was he was great in those teams you know uh one of the assist kings of europe um you know, here's his numbers, his first season with Real Madrid in the 2010-2011 uh, season. Six goals, 16 assists in the league. Uh, the following season, the 2011-2012 season, which uh, Real Madrid did win the title, which David Silva also won the title with Manchester City that year. That was the Aguero uh, year. Um, four goals, 18 assists in the league. And then uh, the following year, nine goals, 13 assists in the league. Um, so he came to Arsenal. And again, it's it's hard to really say too much because you know transfers are so different now and even transfers then were not quite as a surprise you know there were rumors before that but it was a shock signing that Mm -hmm. arsenal signed him this was again a guy that had not even really hit the prime of his career yet was considered one of the best playmakers in all of europe the assist king of europe uh, as he was commonly referred to um was just a, a really bright and upcoming player um, so it was very surprising uh, when he obviously, you know, makes that move. And then in England, he had some mixed success. He had some injury years, which which were tough. Uh, but when he was healthy and when he was playing a lot, he was very good. His best season, of course, um, in England was 2015-2016 when he had six goals and 19 assists. Uh, was getting close to those uh, that Henri total. Um, looking at just career stats, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, Mesut Ozil played in 426 games. In those games, he had 73 goals and 133 assists. David Silva played in 571 games, has 96 goals and 132 assists. So, you know, uh, David Silva's obviously had the longer career, um, has played well at, at a high level into his you know mid to late 30s now, um, which is, of course, like we said, unfortunately ended. But, um, you know, David Silva does have the higher counting stats. He also does have the advantage of having, you know, almost 150 more games. <laughs> that'll uh, that'll do it for you. But both of them were productive players, um, you know, and I, I think especially were very, very impactful. Um, and you look at, you know, some of uh, David Silva's best years. Uh, one of his best seasons also came in the 2011-2012 season. We had six goals and 15 assists. He also was very influential in that Euros win uh, that year. I know you'll remember that very fondly. Um, I believe he scored in the final, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I know that one's a tough one for you, but just again, a, a ton of staying power with him. Even in like the the last few years at Manchester City, when you know 
that that team was so good. He was still such an integral part to that squad. Uh, that 17-18 season when Manchester City were, were runaway sort of title winners. He had nine goals, 11 assists in the league. Um, those are good. That's Bukayo Saka numbers. You know, everyone's like losing their mind of it. You know, like yeah. it's not quite exactly Saka number, you know, but it's it's that same type of thing where it's just a very, very versatile, uh, great player. I will say, like, if you're comparing between the two of them, I think David Silva, for me, was always the better, much better dribbler. Um, incredibly, incredibly hard to dispossess. Just like and He's a little shorter, isn't he? Yeah, I think by about four or five inches. I think he's yeah. like five, six, or five, seven. Ozil's yeah, close to little, six feet. Like, Ozil's like deceptively uh, on the taller side. Yeah. Um, but yeah, David Silva, I, I think, could always just kind of like blend through players in, in a way that Ozil never really could. Both of them, though, I think it's very hard to separate in terms of passing. I think they're both amazing at it and could just break any line they wanted to at their very peak. Um, as far as goal scoring, I think it's also kind of hard to separate them. Um, I will say I think David Silva found himself in better positions, um, whereas Ozil, I think, was much better at kind of creating his own shot. But again, I, I think it's pretty close. For me, personally, I would go David Silva. You could, I think, make the argument that Ozil maybe has the higher peak of his career, but I think David Silva was better over a longer span of time. Um, and I, I think that that gets my vote personally. I hate to be a be. I called this the lazy argument. Oz, does Ozil have a Champions League trophy? Uh, no, not, no. But neither does David Silva. Yeah, I just couldn't remember if he was on a Real Madrid winning team. But based off of this poser jersey that I have over here, uh, I think I'm going to take the other side. I think I'm going to take Ozil. I just, I, I don't know. I look back on him more fondly than David Silva, uh, just you know because I was. Uh, low-key closet Arsenal supporter. I don't know. I wouldn't even say closet because I was very open with it at the time. So, uh, and, and that was when Ozil was at the club. But, yeah, like, I remember seeing him playing in the World Cup. And, and that's what, like, spearheaded his move to Real Madrid, if I could be, if I, like, could be mistaken. But I think, like, he, he, he played really, really well. For Germany and, and it was like showing out, Cup, yeah. yeah. And then and then he got his his transfer to Real Madrid, and yeah, like you said, he was absolutely incredible there. Um, like one of those players, like you want to hate because like he had this like kind of like I don't know like cockiness about him, but he was so goddamn good and he knew it. But then like he came to Arsenal and 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 you could see like he, as much as you want to hate him he just pulls off things and you're just in disbelief. So yeah, I think, I, I think I'm going to go with Ozil. I, 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 I like Ozil. I think he's, he's, in, he's really incredible to watch. I think he's a great, like highlight real player, especially um, incredible first touch, like great control. Um, again, though, I, I think for me, if you're talking about like who I'd rather have, like in my team build around type of player, it's David Silva. Uh, now I will say this. Ozil had the big advantage of playing with th those Real Madrid teams, playing with Ronaldo, and that obviously helps his assist numbers. He he did have, I think, the the lesser squad when he was with Arsenal pretty much the entire time there, um, but was still putting up big numbers. David Silva does benefit from the fact, like you said, that he was playing in a very good team with very good players around him. He's playing, like we said, with Aguero, Yaya Torre, company, like some of these, these big, big names. But Ozil also had a point in his, his career where he did the same thing. 
Right, you know, just not in the same league. Comparing their time in England, I think, uh, yeah. you know, Otso definitely had, I think, the the lesser, you know, he was, he was playing up top with Giroud, who didn't score a goal for like four months. You know, like it's, uh, <laughs> you know, th- that was kind of a, a tough aspect there. But hey. I just, I, I think David Silva is the more complete player, and I think he did it at a higher level for longer. Um, I think they're, they're hard to separate when you really like try and like break them down. But I think David Silva just proved that he was he he was able to make an impact on title winning teams time and time again. And again, he did have help on those teams. It was not just him, but um, I think he was a, a supremely supremely talented player. And uh, you know, it's going to be tough. Uh, it, it just sucks that his career is ending not on his own terms. It seems. Yeah, I will say this: I do look back fondly on uh, David Silva's time at Valencia alongside David Villa, which was just you know, David squared is just incredible. And 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 some of the other guys on that team, they had a, they had a sneaky good team that could like compete for like a top spot, a European spot uh, in, in La Liga at the time. So um, it was like them too. They had a, uh, who else? Mao. They had Jeremy Mathieu in defense. Uh, it, it, they were a fun little squad, a little hipster squad for everybody. Yeah. I, uh, like I said, I, I just think, I think it's him. And I think, you cannot, under any circumstances, tell the story of 2010's Premier League football without David Silva. You have to mention Ozil at some point, I'm sure, but I think, again, David Silva's much more integral to that history and to those accomplishments and was also incredibly talented. Um, and again, when you consider, too, like international success, you know, David Silva was, was right there for, for a lot of that. He was uh, he was filling in as as sort of Spain striker in the 2012 Euros, you know, when they mm-hmm. did kind of some some unprecedented stuff. So, um, you know, and that's not to discredit Otsil was uh, you know part of a World Cup winning team as well. So, uh, I think they're both very very successful players. I think uh, for me it's David Silva, um, but I think you know we've been lucky to see a lot of very very good midfielders in the Premier League in our lifetimes because. Uh, you could also do from like the the two thousands the debate between Lampard, Gerard, and for me it's it's really between those two. But um, you know, I, I think we've we've been uh, we've been very very lucky in that aspect. Yeah. Shall we go to a transfer roundup? Shall we go to a transfer roundup? Dom, one of your most prized targets. Christian Pulisic. Yes. <laughs> Renato Sanchez. It seems like might be headed to Roma. We'll have to see, of course, because he's been linked to, to so many teams. But we're not here. We go status yet. No, uh, although here we go status is in in serious jeopardy because he's here. We go to a few things that have not happened, uh, like the Josko uh, Gavardial uh, signing, which he said was close to completion, and then RB Leipzig was like, he did not have that medical. I don't know what you're talking about, um, and that deal is still, in case you're wondering, not gone through. So. Um, yeah, Renato Sanchez to to Roma. Um, seems like this could uh, could be in the works. It'd be an interesting signing for Roma. You know, they're, they're sort of spinning the the roulette wheel again on a, a PSG midfielder, uh, and and hoping that this one works out instead of Wijnaldum. But uh, I don't I don't hate this signing. I think it's it's a good. Uh, and listen, we've talked about Roma getting their signings done early, and they've made some some pretty good ones. I think this would be a good uh, complementary piece to that midfield. Uh, they could really use it. So. I would uh, I would be interested. Like you said, though, when we were talking about it, he's got to stay healthy. You know that that's really uh, it, it means nothing if he's only playing like 16, 17 league games. So you hope that he uh, he can find fitness. I know this one also hurts Dom. Frank Kessie 
is apparently returning to Syria, not to Juventus. To Juventus, uh, coming back from Barcelona. Uh, Barcelona Yikes. money laundering at its best, signing a player <laughs> on it free and then selling them uh, like for, for just pure profit. It's disgusting. You, you hate to see it. Uh, true slime ball behavior. But um, it is interesting. You know, this is this is a great fit in the midfield for Juventus. We've seen that Frank Cassis is a very good midfielder. Um, you know, never really got like a full run. I felt like at Barcelona, it was always going to be a little bit of a challenge for him uh, to be like an established starter uh, every week in that midfield. But uh, you know, and, and it just became a little crowded, especially with some of those young talents breaking through. But I, I think it's a great signing for Juventus. I think uh, if I'm Milan, I'm. Maybe picking up the phone to see if I can uh, work something out. Although I, I don't know about the wage here because I'm sure he got a big boost losing Barcelona and Juventus might be one of the few Italian clubs that can actually uh, pick up that tab. Yeah, that's that's what I think too. I think that's that's the main thing. That's the main reason why he left in the first place. Um, and uh, Milan have been linked to a couple other players uh, similar in 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 play style to to Kessi, uh, his fellow countrymen. Uh, what is it, Ibrahim Sangare? I, I may have not said the right first name. Is that his first name? Yeah. Uh, PSV player. He's linked with with Milan, so another similar player. Um, I'm curious to see what his his return to the to. I'm guessing the San Siro will be open again next this season. So his return to the San Siro uh, and uh, how he's received by the Milan fans. Um, all I know is that Juventus have a history of buying former Milan players, and then they end up being very successful at Juventus. So I just, you know, hope for them not to have a successful season or as successful season as my team. Hey, you know, that's fair. That's, that's that energy <laughs> that we, uh, we love to bring here. This one's, uh, this one's interesting because of the implication, if you will, of this uh, signing. Raul Jimenez uh, to Fulham from Wolves, kind of a just a an out of nowhere uh, transfer in terms of just uh, the name. He's never obviously like really recaptured his form since his head injury, but before that he was a it's pretty interesting striker. Like striker. You know, he was uh, he's hitting in like the the mid to low teens, uh, which is a, a really good level to be hitting at. You know, Wolves I think have struggled for goal scoring, um, you know, especially with his. Uh, his issues and, and obviously with the injury that he had, but again, his inability to return to that form. Um, it's interesting signing for Fulham because of what this also means, which it does seem much more likely that Alexander Mitrovic will be going to Saudi Arabia. Um, you know, their, their initial bid where it was not suitable for Fulham, but he's uh, sort of had his head turned by the offer and uh, the, the money that he will be making. And so it seems like uh, Fulham are, are going to be working out some agreement um, and we will no longer have Alexander Mitrovic either uh, off the back of his most successful top flight campaign. Of course, he decides to take the money and run. Uh, so Rahul Menes to Fulham. Again, I, w I was... <laughs> it's, so, it's so strange because, you know, like in days like this, it feels like every transfer is just like immediately, you know, leaked and we know about. And, and maybe I just missed something, but this one kind of came out of left field for me. Um it is interesting what's going to happen with Fulham this this year, if we're if we're just looking long term because, you know they they did have kind of the benefit we talked about like, we talked about this with uh, you know, like goalkeepers coming into this year that had really really strong like, 
uh, XG, you know, above uh, saved numbers, and you see some regression sometimes. Fulham could have that with Bern Leno. Um, I think, again, if you take Mitrovic away from the situation, we'll see. I think some of their defensive numbers, you know, could, uh, you know, maybe come back down to earth. I'm not saying they're going to get relegated, but I think Fulham could have a very, very rough time compared to last season where they finished comfortably in mid-table. Um, they, they actually finished in the in the top half, uh, which is, again, when you're talking about a, a newly promoted team, that's a great, great finish. Um but this could be a uh, this could be a turbulent kind of year for them, especially if they lose Paulinha. Like that would be a huge, huge red flag for me um, if they lose him because I think he's so integral to to breaking up play for them in the midfield, and um, I think it'll cost quite a bit for a team to do that. But uh, we'll have to to keep an eye there. But yeah, I, I am interested to see what happens with Fulham this year because you know it's it was already a team that I had earmarked as a potential uh, you know regression candidate and and maybe. Has a, has a tougher time this season, and now you lose Mitrovic. I don't know. No. It's tough. Um, interested to see if uh, Raul Jimenez can regain some form. But, yeah, dude, Saudi Arabia has taken everybody. I mean, there have been some players that have uh, turned down super lucrative offers. I mean, most the, the highest profile one is I'm, I'm pretty sure Mbappe doesn't want to go. I'm pretty sure he turned down the the all Etihad uh, offer. He's, where he's he, not even talking to. Yeah, it's, it's like not even entertaining. Apparently, PSG sources say that uh, they believe a secret deal between them and Madrid have already happened. Uh, who who knows what we will have? Well, to so here's see, here's but... the here's the Mbappe PSG saga in a nutshell. Uh, PSG convinced him to resign this contract, uh, and it has a player option so that he could extend an additional year as it is he's a free agent next summer the entire time before this extension he was linked to madrid it seemed like he was going to madrid and it was a pretty serious turn that he ended up staying at psg i i think you've already forgotten that it really just felt sort of pre-written that he was going to madrid so now again you know he's going to be a free agent next summer he said that he's committed to psg for this season uh, PSG seem upset at the fact that he is potentially leaving for free, uh, walking to what they believe to be a rival in Real Madrid, at least for the Champions League. Um, and I think they're doing everything in their power to make sure that life is as uncomfortable for him as possible, uh, that he either signs a new contract or they've talked about loaning him out this season um, because they're not interested in playing him if he's going to have this, this deal uh, to, to go to Madrid next year. Um, they left him off the preseason tour to Japan. It has the potential to get kind of ugly here, and I hope it doesn't. Um, meanwhile, Luis Enrique, their new manager, is walking into this <laughs> this mess. You know, we're talking about Pochettino and his uh, his struggles with the PSG team. Here's another coach uh, that is, uh, you know, going to have to sort of face the uh, the, the the music of uh, of Paris here. So, I uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a mess. And like you said, Mbappe. Is not going to be taking you know whatever it is seven hundred million uh for for one year. Although Saudi Arabia was happy to say that, hey, even if you're just here for one season, we'll pay the three hundred million pounds or euros to PSG to to get you here, and then we'll also give you an additional like seven hundred million just for playing one season. It's insane that that uh <laughs> that that's a real offer, but um yeah, I, I think he's probably making the right sporting and player move by not going there because I think he understands that that would uh that would pretty much take him out of any running for Ballon d'Or like I think in his mind if he can win a Champions League 
and get geared up for a Euros this summer and potentially win a Euros, you know, he's looking at, at the Ballon d'Or being his next year. So that's where his mind is. Yeah. Um, also within PSG, apparently Verratti has been given the green light to go to Al Hilal. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, they're just, they're, they're buying everybody up. They're, they're buying everyone up. Jordan Henderson already can, completed his move, uh, announced it before the club even did. He had this little like promotional video about him leaving. Uh, he's, uh, he's on his way. And Fabinho also seems like he's on his way to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So everywhere you look, Saudi Omane even, uh, is Byron is getting bailed out by Saudi Arabia because they're buying him and, uh, clearing those wages off his books. Uh, so, you know, it, I really feel for Bayern Munich, you know, that's just like a, team that really needed that extra lifeline really needed some financial yeah. <laughs> uh, a financial boost and uh you know, it's funny very fortunate that they're getting it so. yeah. quick scan of fabrizio romano's page tells me that uh manchester united and hoyland uh have or uh manchester united has given a verbal proposal to atalanta allegedly um man united has agreed on terms with the player um but they're waiting on the green light from the club well, Tara Martinez turned down Saudi clubs. He's happy at Inter. Um, let's see, Fred to Galatasaray. Uh, Isco to Betis. And James Rodriguez, the streets will never forget player, to Sao Paulo. He's going to be playing in Brazil. Good for him. Good for him. Good for him. Uh, we'll always have the 2014 World Cup, you know. And that goal. That goal, you know exactly what goal I'm talking about. By the way, speaking of the World Cup, uh, U.S. women just kicked off two minutes ago, uh, playing the Netherlands. Have the opportunity to, uh, not quite mathematically uh, guarantee themselves, depending on what uh, what else happens in the group, but you know, really put themselves into the next stage and could potentially even win the group tonight with a win. Um, it's been fun watching them uh, so far. They had a really dominant display against Vietnam, so. Uh, yeah, Women's World Cup has been a lot of fun to watch, and uh, I've really enjoyed watching these U.S. teams so far. Looking forward to watching them as they just kicked off against Netherlands. Replay, of course, the 2019 final. Um, Netherlands are one of the other women's teams that I've always really kind of liked watching. So uh, that was a tough final for me on a personal level. Not really, because it's always go-go USA uh, whenever it's... I don't know about you, but whenever it's Olympics, World Cup, stuff like that, I become... The most red-blooded patriot I could possibly uh, become. And it's just... I think we spoke about this on the on the World Cup prep episode. Uh, you know, we just, just we just turn into a different. You gotta kiss the beast. ring, all right. You gotta kiss the <laughs> ring. That's that is, uh, that's my attitude. But... And when it comes to the women's World Cup, yeah, you gotta you gotta respect us. <laughs> Come on, historic three-peat. So yeah, Come uh, on. that would be great to see. But there are definitely some other teams that have uh, have looked really sharp. Uh, you know, through the first. Uh, first few weeks here of shout of- out to uh ireland and the uh the olympico that was scored that <laughs> they was, did uh, get eliminated today but they they do walk away with their first uh world cup goal which is great for them it was honestly what, a, what a goal goal what a goal Olympicos, like that was a really nice one you, like sometimes they're a little sloppy that was that was, that was pretty nice clean. That was I, nice uh, i liked it but don that's all we got for tonight anything to say before we get out of here Take care, brush your hair, tune into my FIFA podcast, well, EAFC podcast. Uh, I, I don't know what I'm going to be recording the next episode right now. i got to figure that out. But uh, 
Yeah, tune into that. I, I streamed that, the, the recording of that episode on my Twitch, just like I do occasionally with Top Ends, uh, twitch.tv slash a hairy ape. No, ga- no gaming right now, but uh, the podcast can be found there. It's like one of the homes of that. So take a look at that. Follow me on Twitter. I'm on threads now. So uh, check me out on threads. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the same as my Instagram. So check me out. Check him out, ladies and gentlemen. We will be back next week. And like I said, we're, we're barreling close. Premier League uh, starts back up Friday, August 11th. That is not that far away. Check your calendars. Trust me. It is not as far away as it sounds like it is. Uh, but we'll be back next week, wrapping up more action, probably talk a little Women's World Cup, talking more transfers, and uh, yeah, maybe maybe look at a little ahead to the, the Premier League, the Serie A season. Who knows? Uh, but until then, we'll talk to you next time. We'll see you later.